the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in Colossians chapter 1, and the first part of Colossians, Paul writes this letter at the urging of Epaphras for the church of Colossae in order to combat an infiltrating heresy. Several heresies, as a matter of fact. And the interesting thing is, as we've discussed, how Paul decides he's going to take this on. How is he going to approach this? Is he going to approach it by lining out the heresy and then giving them detailed explanation about why that heresy couldn't be right? Is he going to do that? No. What he's going to do is point to Jesus. What he's going to do is he's going to say, look at Jesus. In the light of who Christ is, the heresy falls away. In the light of the truth, the lie begins to diminish. The reality of that is seen in your own lives when you come before Him with all kinds of of whinging and complaining about life. And as you get into His presence, when you're open and you're honest before Him, suddenly you recognize that He is better than anything you were trying to embrace. Jesus is the truth of your life. And Paul begins in the first chapter of of Colossians in verse 13, as I pointed out last week, he just details and describes for you who Jesus is. In verse 13, Jesus is our deliverer. 14, Jesus is our redeemer. 15, Jesus is the image of God, the firstborn of creation. 16, Jesus is the creator. Verse 17, Jesus is the sustainer. Verse 18, Jesus is the head of the church, the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is the manifestation of the Father's pleasure and the full expression of the Godhead. Verse 20, Jesus is our reconciliation and our peace with the Father by means of His cross. This is Jesus. Do you need to really look at the heresy? Is there anything you really want to embrace other than Him? This is who Jesus is. Paul demonstrates that the greatest way to defeat a lie is to be set free from deception and sin is to know the truth. Who is Jesus? John 8.32 says, And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Capital T. Who set you free? And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now look, guys, that is not just having Jesus as your Savior. That is knowing Him. 
in knowing Him, when you get before Him and you recognize His presence and His power in your life, you know Him and as you know Him, the truth begins to set you free from all of the baggage that you brought into the room. Because if you refuse to know Him, you can have Him as your Savior, but if you refuse to know Him, the opposite of knowing the truth and truth setting you free is what? Bondage. Bondage. Many times in counseling, what I hear is people reciting for me their bondage, and I keep coming back and say, well, what about Jesus? Well, we don't want to look, we want to look at our bondage. No, but what about Jesus? Well, that's wonderful. We all have Jesus, but I've got all these... No, but what about Jesus? Know the truth. Know Him. And in knowing Him, you can find the freedom you're craving. Because if you had all of your problems answered in this moment, it wouldn't set you free. Because you can have money and be in bondage. You can have marriage and be in bondage. You can have children and be in bondage. You can have the wealth of this world and all that this world offers and be in bondage. There's only one who sets you free. It's Jesus. Nothing else. Paul is saying to the Colossians, it's Jesus who the heretics among you seek to marginalize is your life. The gospel is Jesus and Jesus is your truth and I, Paul, am a minister of His. We finish with verse 24. Colossians 1.24 says, Even now I rejoice in the midst of my suffering on your behalf. And in my own person I am making up whatever is still lacking and remains to be completed on our part of Christ's afflictions. For the sake of His body, which is the church. As I pointed out to you last week, this is not redemptive suffering. Jesus paid it all. When He cried out, It is finished, He meant it. And it is finished. Jesus took care of it all at the cross. There's nothing left to be paid. What this is, is the fellowship of suffering that Paul prayed for in Philippians 3.10. I read this for you last week. I'm going to read it for you over and over again. Because it is the dynamic, it is the goal, it is the principle of the Christian life that we, of this walk on this earth, that we know Him. Look at Philippians 3.10. For my determined purpose, this is Paul, that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in some way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers. Now listen. And that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness and to his death. Through suffering, Paul shared the strength and the life of Christ. That life that allowed Paul to live to a greater reality than his circumstances. This is the freedom and the liberty of the Christ life that the Christian so shares the Savior's life, that he does not see his suffering as his own, but he sees it as fellowship with his Savior. Wow. That I could actually fellowship with my Savior in the midst of all the troubles of this life. What a concept. 
that I could know Him deeper and more intimately because the troubles of this life drove me to the truth that my life is in Christ, not in the circumstances. And Paul, that he in prison could sit there with chains on his hands and lift his hands towards heaven and say, Thank you, Father, that I am living here with my Christ, with my Savior, who is my life. I am a prisoner of Christ, is what he says, in fellowship with Him. You see, Paul didn't see himself chained to a Roman guard. He saw himself literally in bond with Christ. Paul makes the point that this, this union with the body of Christ is also affirmed in the rejection of the world. The rejection that we receive from this world affirms the truth that we are in union with Christ. Christian, the enemy and the sin-cursed world will never cease its attack upon the person of Christ until the day of judgment. Your struggle in this life against sin and the pull of the world is evidence of the ongoing fight. Did you ever look at it that way? Do you ever look at all of the things that you think are going against you and say to yourself, you know what, the reality of this, the reason I'm struggling with these things is because I'm trying to settle them and find peace in circumstance rather than embracing the truth that I am His child and that He has settled everything before me, that I go forth as more than a conqueror, that He is my life. My life is not getting the house paid off. My life is not being able to meet the bills. My life is not not being able to get along with my wife. My life is not being able to make the children behave. My life is not being able to have the job that I want. My life is not having all the money in the bank that I desire. My life is Jesus and nothing else. So in that, I rejoice. And the attacks of the enemy, the difficulties of this life, I'm not talking about you being beaten beyond recognition, the rods, the drowning, whatever, all the things that Paul mentions that he had to go through. Although that might be your lot. If it is, you're going to know Jesus right up close and personal. He delighted in it. What I'm talking about is the day-to-day struggle of life that this world, this sin-cursed world, presents to you. That you may know Him in the fellowship of His sufferings. This world rejected Him. They will reject you. It is in this struggle and suffering that the strength of Christ is most often revealed. As we appropriate His strength, we are affirmed in His love. For us, it is fellowship with Him. See, Paul makes it real clear that the goal of his life in 3.10 is not comfort. It's Jesus. It is being in union, knowing Him. Paul, when he was teaching, uh, also makes it clear that it, participating in that life and knowing Him is also part of being a part of the body of Christ. It's part of his union with the body of Christ. You see, Paul expressed his love and identity with Christ through the body of Christ. And they were never inseparable. Whenever Paul goes to a church and he speaks to a church about knowing Christ, about growing in his love, about being affirmed in his love, about the foundation of knowing Christ, he immediately turns to the body of Christ and he says, You are one, you are joined together with the head in Jesus. In every church that Paul goes to where they're having difficulties, you find him laying down this principle. You need to know and recognize your union with Christ as a body. 
as a body. When we don't do that, when we begin to to separate ourselves off, we lose a lot of the affirmation, a lot of the spiritual truth that is revealed in the people around us. You see, you don't know Jesus by yourself. You know Jesus also through the lives around you. You don't experience Christ alone. You are divinely connected as members of the body of Christ. Paul, in teaching a fellowship that was rampant with carnality, goes to great lengths to try to show them that they are connected. In one way he does, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, he says, And if one member suffers, all the parts share the suffering. If one member is honored... All the members share in it, in the enjoyment of it. Our union with Christ is a spiritual reality. And our union in His body, that is the church, is part of that reality. We grow in the revelation of Christ together. As Paul speaks of His suffering, he says, This is for you, it's for the body of Christ. Then we come to verse 25. Speaking of the church, he says, In it... I became a minister in accordance with the divine stewardship which was entrusted to me for you as its object and for your benefit to make the word of God fully known among you. In it is obviously referencing the church which is the body of Christ. Paul became or was appointed as a minister to the body of Christ. Think about it. You can't be a minister to the body unless you're ministering Christ. Now, I know a lot of people who think they're ministering to Christ, but what they're ministering to is flesh. But God desires that we minister to the body in order to recognize that we are part of the body, and the way we do that is we minister Christ. Because when we express the love and the truth of Christ to one another, Christ is affirmed in us, and Christ is affirmed in them, and the truth sets them free. But we go forth in judgment, and we go forth in the flesh, and we go forth to promote ourselves in our own righteousness. What we spread is a disease, not Jesus. What we spread is religion, not truth. Paul encourages them to recognize their their position in the body. Think about the fact that he calls himself a minister. You know, the word there for minister is diakonos, which in the Greek is reference servant. It involved dependence, submission, menial task, and service to the others. It's the word that we get our word deacon from. But do you know the Greeks looked at that and they really thought it was, it was almost an insult. It was beneath them. It was degrading, a degrading position for anybody to claim that. The Greeks admired a man for the same reason we do in our society. We admire a man who's independent, is able to act independently and do independently without having to rely on anybody but himself. In this society, that is a man's man. That is the way it should be, right? In Judaism, it was a little different, but it was pretty much the same thing. In Judaism, service was only done as an act of social obligation under the law or when a lesser served a greater. See, Paul's not talking about either one of those. That's not what he's talking about. This service that he's talking about is as natural as caring for yourself, for one's own body. It's as selfless as Christ himself. It's that humble expression of Christ's life within you. This service that Paul's talking about is you yielding to the truth within you. 
Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, Christ is your life. He is your source of life. That's why you're eternal and you will go on through eternity. That's why you're going to go to heaven. You'll share that bit of real estate and you'll come back and share this one too when God remakes it. But let me tell you something. It's about Jesus. It's not about where you're at. Now that's not just an eternal truth. That's a truth for here and now. It's about Jesus. It's not about where you're at. But as you have Jesus as your life, let me ask you a question. When Jesus walked this earth clothed in flesh, did He ever stop ministering? No. Now that He has gone into glory and has sat down at the right hand of the Father and has given you His life, what do you expect that life to do? Minister, because Jesus doesn't stop ministering. But here, look at the principle. When Jesus walked upon the face of the earth, He was constantly ministering, and He ministered to all manner of folks. He he went to the blind man, but He didn't heal every blind person, did He? He went to the leper, but He didn't heal every leper, did He? He went to this person and that person, and it almost seems random. But think of this. This was Jesus' ministry. Now, what is ministry again? It's servitude. It's servitude. So what was Jesus doing? What Jesus was doing is He was completely yielded to the Father as the Father's servant. Completely yielded to express the truth of the Father, the love of the Father, the healing of the Father here, the the feeding of the Father there, the, the growth of the Father somewhere else. In every situation, everything that Jesus did was an expression of who the Father was. Jesus didn't come upon the planet to show everybody who He is as much as He came to the planet to show everybody who the Father was. If you don't believe me, read John. Jesus is the manifestation of the Father God and the Godhead. He is the full expression of the Godhead's intent, purpose, and heart. That's Jesus. He came to this earth to express all that God is in ministry. And never having an agenda of His own. Never having words of His own. Never depending upon His power or His purpose or His plan. He walked forward in confidence knowing that the Father's life was His own and that the Father's purpose and will would be done through His yielded heart. That's ministry. Now, what's Paul saying when he says, I'm a minister of the Gospel? You see, the Gospel is the life and truth of Christ. The gospel is the summation of all that Christ came to do and did and is doing. And so when Paul says, I'm a minister of the gospel, when he says, what he is saying is, I am a servant of the gospel, my life is completely yielded to the work of the gospel. Now, I want you to see this in combination of what I just read to you about Philippians 3.10 and the sufferings of Paul. Know this, that God took hold of Paul. He chose Paul. And he says... Through you, Paul, through you, I'm going to express my life. I'm going to express who I am. I'm going to express the truth of my desire for my children. Paul continues, In it I became a minister in accordance with the divine stewardship which was entrusted to me for you as as its object and for your benefit to make the Word of God fully known among you. Now, as Paul saying that 
he says I was appointed as a steward, but he says it's a divine stewardship. Is he saying that he's divine? No, that's not what he's saying. What he's referencing is the source, the origin, and the appointment. He is saying that he was chosen by Christ, not because of his talents, not because of his intellect, not because of his natural ability, but Christ literally reached and chose him. Well, why do you think God chose him? You know, in John fifteen sixteen, he says, You have not chosen me. This is Jesus speaking. But I have chosen you. And I have appointed you. I have planted you that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing. That your fruit might be lasting. That it may abide, remain, abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name as presenting all that I am, He may give it to you. You know what? Here's what happened. Jesus looked upon Paul in, in his omnipotent way, in his knowing through the Father. He saw Paul's heart. And what he saw was a man that was willing to say yes to him. That was willing to receive him. He chose Paul because he knew Paul would choose him. Now, God's not willing that any should perish. He would like us all to choose him. God said, I sent my son, Jesus, to die for God so loved the what? World. Not the Christians, but the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That means for every man. He gave it all for every man. That whosoever would believe, would choose, might have eternal life. Life through eternity. What life is eternal? It is Christ's life. Paul says, I was chosen of him. I was appointed of him. Why did he choose Paul? Not because of Paul's ability. God didn't look at Paul and said, well, now there's an A-type personality. He's got a lot of of get up and go. He wouldn't be afraid to go out there and witness for me. He would put it forth. He would be a strong testimony for me. He He wouldn't fall away. He'd stay by the stuff. He's a faithful man. I can see faithfulness in him. Do you think that's true? No, all he saw was a man who was willing to know him, to receive him. You see, you've got every bit of the qualifications Paul's got. Because Paul was simply a minister of the gospel. And everything that Paul did, Paul never did. And all of his determination and all of his, all of his continued faithfulness was all based in the Spirit of God to which he yielded. Not in Paul's personality. You know, one of the biggest lies that that the Christian has in terms of his service is that he looks at the people around him. He says, now I can understand why he's a Christian, why God would love him, why God would choose him. Because, you know, he's dynamic and and he, he can memorize scripture and he can get out there and he goes out there and witnesses. And he makes every church service and look at him. You know, he's always got a smile. Sure, I would have chosen him as a Christian too, wouldn't you? No, God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that at all. But God sees in you as a heart that's willing to say yes. A heart that's willing to choose Him. And what He will place in you is what He has designed for you to express His life. The choosing, the divine appointment was not based on what Paul could give Christ. Now listen to this. 
the choosing, the divine appointment was not based on what Paul could give Christ, but what Paul was willing to receive from Christ. See, obedience is not what you can give God, but what are you willing to receive from God. Jesus says, love your enemy. You know what he's telling you? He's not telling you to create love. He says, are you willing to receive my love for your enemy? Jesus says, honor your husband. You know what he's telling you? He's not telling you to go honor your husband and create that in it based on what he does. No. He's saying, are you willing to let me create in you honor for your husband? You see, obedience isn't at all what we think it is in modern Christianity. Obedience is the gift of God. In that He comes and offers Himself at every point. Then He asks us to be obedient. He is offering us Himself. And He says, this is what I will give you. This is what I will express through you. Because your life is in Me. Receive the truth. You were saved through your receiving, not your giving. And when we saw our need for a Savior, we received forgiveness and His life. When we, through salvation, received His life, we became ministers, our stewards of that life, each being a unique expression of Him. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.